2: Thank you for tuning in to Belmont Buzz. I'm your host, Joanna Jubilis. Today's show is brought to you via Zoom because... The coronavirus pandemic is still going on and Belmont Media Center Studio is still not open. I can't believe it's been nearly six months. Anyway, today's guests I am so pleased to have are affiliated with an organization called the Belmont Special Education Parent Advisory Council. The acronym for that is CPAC, so we're going to be referring to it as Belmont CPAC throughout the show And I must disclose that I'm actually on the board of the Belmont CPAC. I am a treasurer, and I've been involved for many years, and I plan to continue to be involved, even though my daughter, who uh, was on an IEP, has graduated. But I think it's a very, very important organization for parents who have children on IEPs, which are Individualized Education Plans or 504 Plans, and also any parent who's interested in special education in Belmont. So today's guests are the co-chairs of the Belmont CPAC, Tim Flood. Tim Flood is a retired United States Marine who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he also worked in federal law enforcement with the Department of Defense Police in Natick. He currently owns a business in Belmont, East Coast Chiptees. Chip Keys, sorry, <laughs> on Trapello Road. And he has served as the chairman of the Belmont CPAC. Uh, this is his second year serving as chairman of the Belmont CPAC. And he's also a member of the Age Friendly Advisory Council in Belmont. And Tim, are you also a town meeting member?
1: I am. You're also
2: a town meeting member. And we have a newcomer on board this year. She is our new co-chair and her name is Naomi Dorillis. She's a native of New York. You'll notice she has a little New York accent. Her son is a student at the Lab Collaborative, and she currently works at Harvard University. And in her spare time, she enjoys international travel and volunteering her time at church and school events. And um, I'm so excited to have you both on the show. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. So, Tim... For viewers who aren't familiar with Belmont CPAC, could you give a brief description of what it is, what the organization is, its purpose?
1: Sure. Uh, CPAC is a uh, volunteer-run, state-mandated organization under uh, Massachusetts Special Education Law, Chapter 71B. Uh, We are compromised of family members of children that learn in different ways, as well as other parents interested in special education. Um, CPAC's main goal is to provide families with information, resources, community and social opportunities to enhance inclusion, promote advocacy, and improve the education of social aspects of children in our school system, as well as the community at large.
2: Okay, well, um, Tim, since you're still on, can you say why you got involved? Why did you want to get involved in the CPAC?
1: Sure, Um, you know... I have a daughter that's on on an IEP, uh, and I followed her education closely through the years. Um, Although every teacher I've ever met works extremely hard at educating the entire classroom, many students, including my daughter, have struggled because they're not receiving the instruction in a manner in which they can access it and understand it. Um, Oftentimes, it's because the teacher might not have the specific training needed for that particular child's needs. Um, But when you look at at, at, uh, a bit more in depth, It's oftentimes uh, more because they're being diagnosed late. Um, And traditionally, that tends to happen around middle school. Uh, That's mainly because middle school is where executive functioning really comes into play for each child. Um, You know, until now, they, you know, their learning has really been structured. And now once they hit middle school, they're given assignments that could be a couple days or a couple weeks that they're going to have to work through. Uh, And most of it's self-directed. Um, you know, so when you start hitting that aspect of your education, you know, things start to come to light, um, you know, and, you know, and to really answer the question, you know, I see CPAC as, as a great way to help educators help our children learn and be successful. Um, yes, you yes. Know, and we do that, you know, by offering our parent information sessions each month. And I'm happy to say we have a lot of educators that join our sessions.
2: That's right. That's right. Naomi, why did you want to get involved in the CPAC? Sure. We recently uh, moved
0: here to Massachusetts only last August. And uh, prior to moving here, my son, uh, who is now seven, had an IEP at age five. And we were quite new to uh, understanding what that meant for him. Um, and so when we moved here, um, he's, his IEP was updated. And um, I learned through that process about CPAC. So um, selfishly, I wanted to connect with parents because we're new to the area, but more specifically, parents that could also share their experience of how Belmont and uh, Belmont school system helps to support students with special needs. Uh, I also wanted to be able to advocate on behalf of other parents and uh, help them through the process. This is new to me. And uh, certainly um, even the small amount of time, a uh, short amount of time I've been involved, I've learned a whole lot about how things work uh, as far as the lab collaborative, as well as the uh, Department of Student Services. So it's a very steep learning curve for me, but um, I think that it will help enhance my students, my son's learning experience, as well as helping other parents uh, on this journey. And then finally, is uh, working in close collaboration with teachers to understand uh, the needs of various groups that need IEP. So, you know, that was my motivation. And uh, I love volunteering my time to things that um, mean a lot to me. And uh, the social aspect is there, but also um, working with people who have been through this process as well is also a great support system for me and also other parents.
2: Right. Tam, can you tell our viewers about the events that are planned for this coming year, the, the parent information sessions that you have planned? I know there's one coming up.
1: Right. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll lead it off. Um, you know, it's, I'd like to highlight our, our first one, obviously, which is uh, Thursday, September 10th at 6.30 p.m. Uh, it's called Your Voice Matters, a School Reopening for Children with Different Abilities, uh, the session is going to focus on the school reopening plans for uh, children with different abilities and you know, ch- children with um, uh, special educational needs. Uh, it's also going to be a time for the Department of Student Services, uh, which includes uh, Ken Kramer and Jonathan Libby, and um, as well as the Lab Collaborative, which includes Lexington, Arlington, Belmont, Burlington, and Bedford. Um, that will be led by Patrick Barbery. And Mm -hmm. um, our integrated preschool, Brianna Walls, will be there to answer questions and listen to the concerns from our parents and and the community. And and, uh, hopefully uh, some of the suggestions that come out of that will um, directly impact uh, the training that the teachers are going to have during the orientation that's happening uh, now and over the next few weeks uh, as we uh, reopen our school.
2: And this is a virtual event. It will be brought to people via Zoom. There'll be a Zoom link that people can click on. But will it also, will people who can't necessarily attend the Zoom be able to watch it after? Will it be broadcast on Belmont Media Center? Do you know? I think it could be.
1: It it, it will be videotaped. And and in fact, uh, we're going to try and make it a point that all the parent information sessions this year will be videotaped and then be able to be uh, re, uh, reviewed at, at, at their at their leisure um, and it will be on your website.
2: And for the time being, everything is going to be virtual, right? No in-person events for the time being, right?
1: That's correct.
2: That's correct. Okay. Well, the next question, I don't know which one of you wants to answer. You can decide uh, when you hear it is how has COVID affected uh, families that the Belmont CPAC serves? You know, what impact has COVID had on learning for students on IEPs and and 504s? Yeah,
0: I'll go. I'll start with that first. We've heard from many parents, uh, you know, being concerned about the level of services that the state has uh, committed to providing in the IEPs and how difficult uh, or challenging that has been with remote learning. Um, And so there's uh, some challenges there as well as um, just the participation on Zoom, how effective it has been or the lack of effectiveness, um, especially uh, for some children with uh, special needs. So that has been a challenge. Um, I think that uh, our children are also missing, obviously, that interaction, that face-to-face interaction with their, their peers and also their teachers. Uh, there's certainly a lot Of engagement that happens in these programs. And so that's uh, something that uh, has been challenging. Um, And so, you know, in general, I think that uh, everyone did the best that they could. And what I think is really hopeful is the session that uh, Tim had mentioned that uh, our administrators are looking and seeking to hear about some of the challenges that occurred in the spring and see how they can remedy that or. Um, really uh, mature the services that they're providing in this remote environment.
2: Tim, do you have anything you want to add to that? Do you want to talk about your your personal experience with? So,
1: um, I mean the, the the one thing that I mentioned and and that's something that I think everyone is is kind of um, thinking about is the fact that you know the the pandemic really caught everyone by surprise. You know, it caught all the parents, it caught all the administrators, all the educators by surprise. You know, so it's it's not a surprise that. You know, no one was ready for it. Uh, And, you know, everyone's working really hard to to do whatever they can to bring us back to as normal as normal can be in this uh, in the current environment. Um, One of the one of the things that I think hurt the district a little bit was that, you know, they they spent a lot of time waiting for guidance from Mass Department of Education and and Secondary Education Mm -hmm. uh, instead of actually being a little more proactive. I think, I think if they were a little bit more proactive in, in the beginning, um, it, it, it would have worked out better for everyone because they would have been seen as being proactive instead of reactive. Um, you know, but everyone's working really hard to move forward. Um, you know, that there, there is an extensive plan um, that we have a, a internally um, you know, to, to, to keep the, um, uh, the, uh, everyone's education moving forward. Um, you know, I, I, I think we have to work a little bit more on Zoom guidelines uh, with respect to, you know, having students making sure that they're when they're in the educational environment that, you know, cameras are on and things like that. Um, but that, that, that'll come in time, I believe.
2: What do you think of the plan that is currently in place for this fall, this phased plan, which um, will have in-person learning, but for students on IEPs, but only if they have a certain disability. It's not necessarily all kids on IEPs are going to get in person. I think you have to have a certain severeness to your disability, right? That's that's how it will be, at least in the beginning.
1: Do you want to take that, Naomi, or do you want me to take it?
2: Yeah. Um, so I think that yeah, the the
0: cautious approach that's being put forth um, is uh, prudent, uh, given we're seeing additional flare-ups and I think that you know with our children we have to take a conservative approach Uh, but I also think that it um, it's definitely going to be more challenging um, in terms of uh, the students level of engagement with uh, this modification and uh, there may be students that you know while they might not qualify for uh, the category of students that actually get the in-person instruction uh, they very well could um benefit greatly from it. So I think that parents have mixed feelings. They want to see the children get back, uh, at least some, uh, you know, people in person. And I think that uh, we all just have to be patient with this phased approach, recognizing that, um, you know, they're they're trying to do their best um, to address multiple needs of of different audiences.
2: Mm -hmm. Do you think that what was lost in the spring because, you know, like you said, Belmont this took everybody by surprise and they were waiting for guidance from the state. And, and I think a lot of kids may have, their learning may have suffered as a result, not, not only kids on IEPs and 504s, but even even kids who aren't on IEPs and IE 504s. So do you think that that loss can, can be made up or will ever be made up? Do you think there's a lot of damage that's been done?
1: I mean, I'll I'll start off by by saying it's. I think it will be tough to make up the loss. Um, you know, in particular for students on that have an IEP or a five hundred four. Um, you know, it it won't be as bad for the neurotypical student um, that maybe can put in a little bit extra time um, to 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 catch up. Um, but I'd, I I think we'd be we'd benefit a little bit more by looking at this as kind of a a new start, instead of worrying about where we came from, let's worry about where we're going. So I, I think if we, if we kind of, you know, change the narrative to say, hey, this is where we're at. This is the hand we've been dealt. And, you know, this is how we're going to address each, each individual IEP uh, to make sure that they're being supported properly. I think that's going to be the benefit instead of worrying too much about what, we're, what we've lost. Okay.
0: From my perspective, I think that, you know, there is going to be an element of regression for certain students. Um, and it's a case-by-case basis, of course. Um, I think there are some parents like myself who perhaps can be more hands-on to make up for the gap, so to speak, for some services I obviously cannot give to my son. Um, and so I am looking into the, in the coming school year to say, how can his IEP be revised to add additional time for services that were um, mo- modified or reduced um, over the past year. But as Tim said, we're looking forward uh, and yet recognizing that it may require additional services um, to kind of get our kids back on track if uh, there was some regression.
2: Well, I know based on my experience with CPAC that there's a lot of parents um, who have young children like, like yourself, Naomi, um, who aren't even in or who might be going into preschool, aren't even in the public school yet. And they're just very concerned about their kids. They know there's something not right about their kids. They've had them evaluated. And, and then they just don't know how to work with the school to get the, the kids what they need from the school. So that's why I, I've noticed a lot of people come to the CPAC. Can, can one of you tell tell our viewers about the role CPAC has in helping parents uh, navigate the way it works, um, you know, working with, you know, getting students, services for your students through student services.
1: So, I mean, I, I can reiterate that our main goal is to provide families with the information and resources um, that they're going to need to promote advocacy for their child. Um, you know our our goal is to improve the education uh, for all the students in Belmont um, you know but obviously we focus on the students that are on IEPs and 504s um, you know wh- what this I guess really means is you know it's inclusive quality education for all students um, you know our, our 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 one of our goal goals is to advise Belmont public school administrators and the school committee on special education issues and you know that By doing that, we're assisting families to effectively participate in the uh, special education process for their individual student. Um, You know, but with that said, the parent has a big role in that because no one knows their child better than that parent.
0: It's true. I would also say that as far as advocating uh, for your child that uh, CPAC can help support in that way. If parents don't, are not clear about their rights, perhaps they do want the, uh, their child to have an IEP and perhaps they're getting pushback from a teacher or they're you know, saying it's not necessary. We can help them understand what are their rights um, in that regard, um, as well as being able to um, point them in the right direction for resources. So if there's a disconnect with what's happening in the classroom and what they feel are, are their uh their child's needs can be met in a particular way, um, certainly speak up. Uh, We have parent information sessions to educate parents on what um, services they can receive and and how to go about doing that. So uh, that's certainly one of the uh, benefits of connecting with our organization.
2: Tim, when I first met you at a CPAC event, you showed up with a really big binder. Yes. um, And it was filled with all everything you had documented related to your daughter and can you just tell our viewers why is it important to hold on to these papers and and have a binder and be organized with these with these papers when it comes to you know having a child who may need services who's getting services
1: you're your child's advocate you know and and you know no one else is going to do it for you so you know everything that you can document And any any concerns that you have, and you document it, especially if you brought it, you know, to the school administration to say I have this concern. Make sure everything's documented. Um, You know that that's something that I I I was taught. You know, I'd like to say I learned it, but I I was taught it really really early. I I I would say I was lucky in that respect. um, That you know, I I went to a CPAC meeting years ago, and uh, someone had mentioned that they saw this binder and they thought it was a good idea. So I researched it a bit more and said, hey, you know what, that is a good idea, you know, and and that's, it's been invaluable when, when it comes down to sitting in an IEP meeting, and you're there at a disadvantage, because you don't know all the lingo, you don't know all the administrators, you don't necessarily know all the teachers, you know, of them, you might have met them and said hi, but you really don't know all that background information. So when you're sitting in a meeting, and they're bringing up their concerns or lack thereof, And then you have this documentation to say, hey, but what about this, this, and this? You know, it it definitely helps you advocate for your child. And that is something that, you know, we were going to try and, you know, have that class and what needs to be in that binder last year. Unfortunately, the year got short. So, you know, maybe I can work something out virtually this year. Um, But at a minimum, uh, everyone will see that I've made some changes to our website uh, and things like that will be on the website and it will be a, a, a basic uh, uh, chart of how you should set one of those up and, and at a minimum what should be in.
2: There. Great. Naomi, do you have anything you'd like to add to that?
0: I think that, um, well, one, I reiterate what Tim's saying as far as documentation is concerned. I also think that Um, It's new, the newness of having an IEP and getting special services, being comfortable asking questions, even though if they're basic questions. uh, I found that the uh, service providers are usually very happy to elaborate on what it is that your child needs. Um, Clearly doing research outside of uh, that is important, but I also think that tapping into those resources and, and digging in and asking lots of great questions only help you be more um, equipped to assist your child.
2: Why is it that, um, you know, when you are trying to get services for your child or keep services for your child, why does it almost feel like when you're going into one of these meetings with the school um, that you have to be prepared to fight? Why is it like, why do some people, why do you have, why does that happen? <laughs> Why does it seem to always have to be a fight to get services? Is it because if they're expensive and the school's very like, you know, cautious about who they give services to? Do, do any of you want to explain
1: that? I mean, I, I can lead I off know. on it. Um, you know, I I understand that, you know, a lot of parents do feel that way, you know, and, and some of that is self-education. Uh, The parent needs to understand what they need to understand to go into the meetings, Um, you know, so if if they don't have the basic understanding, you know, that we offer and say, such as basic rights, you know, what is an IEP? What are your rights within that IEP? Um, You know, what, how do students get evaluated? You know, understanding all those intricate details. And it's a lot of information, you know, so a parent goes in there completely overwhelmed. Um, So I, I think they're at a disadvantage from go. Um, so when they go into a meeting and say, I have this concern, and then you have several educators saying, well, we don't see that concern, uh, you know, that to a certain extent ties into what I mentioned previously, where there's a, there's a fair amount of students that receive IEP services once they hit middle school, because that's when it's actually seen because of that executive function aspect, you know, and that, that is something I would like to see is that we're, we're diagnosing a little bit earlier. Um, you know, in, in the, in, in, you know, grade schools at at the latest, um, you know, but that's going to be a work in progress.
0: I've had two, two different experiences. One, which was very positive in terms of, um, you know, the Wellington school where my son started and uh, they immediately recognized he needed a lot of extra uh, care, attention, handholding and, you know, they rightfully, you know, helped us understand here's the level of support that's needed for him to get through his materials during the day. Um, And then they were the ones that initiated, you know, know, asking me if I was open to having deeper uh, type of um, investigation analysis of what his needs were. On the flip side, I think that some parents experienced what I also experienced, which was a disconnect from what teachers were saying about my son in class, uh, lack of attention, or he's not grasping certain concepts, or um, he is um, being defiant. Um, And, you know, those were things that were just completely not how I saw or understood my son. And so when you have that disconnect where educators are seeing your child in one way and you know something very different for your child, that's definitely... Uh, you know, a good starting point to say, I think that I, you know, we need to get another uh, kind of opinion in terms of an IEP. And that's where it can be frustrating because you just have to push for it at times. But I think, um, as you asked, well, why do you think that that pushback happens? Sometimes it's just because of lack of uh, support. My son was lucky enough to have a full time assistant in the room. um, And sometimes there just aren't enough uh, extra hands to help a child through some of those uh, special services until it's officially um, kind of identified uh, as a need. So I would continue to encourage parents when you see that disconnect or you're frustrated or you see your child's frustrated to to push through and and even though the uh, professionals may have a different opinion, um, to keep going at it until you you get the answers that you need.
2: Well, at what point do you think a parent may need to hire an advocate or a lawyer? What's the difference? Why would you hire an advocate versus a lawyer and
0: I'll defer to you on that
1: one <laughs> okay uh so um you know i I guess i'll say you know i'll I'll start off by saying that it's gonna be the parents feeling that they're not getting the or the child's is not receiving services that they feel they need. You know, as I said previously, it's it's important that the parent understands that they know their child more than anyone else. So once once they understand that, and you know, and they're they're bringing their concerns to the school system, and they don't feel that their individual student is making the effective progress they need to make, then that's where. Advocates and attorneys come involved it, it, you know an advocate is is essentially a um a, a person that knows just about everything there is to know about an iEP and 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 the rights that are, are around an IEP um you know they it would be great if everyone could just you know utilize an advocate and and um, and get the services that they need. Um, you know, but at at some point, even advocates don't get what the, the parent believes they're there. They don't get the services through even that that advocacy, um, you know, and then the attorney gets involved. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that there is a, what appears to be a, a lot of a lot of attorney use in, in town. Um, you know, I, I think it's parents get frustrated very quickly and they go right to the attorney instead of using the advocates. Um, You know, and that's something that I I think over over time. I'm hoping that uh, CPAC as a whole will kind of fill in that advocacy role a bit more. Um, You know, but you know, we're right now we're it's such a completely different environment for everyone. Um, You know, and and I, I you know it's completely different from last year. So I I almost feel like we're we're you know reinventing the wheel again just for this year. Uh, And then hopefully, hopefully, you know, the virus will come under control. And then we're going to kind of go back to the original plan, Um, you know, but. Um,
2: Well, can one of you talk about what you do have planned for the coming year? I know, I know you've already started, you've been working over the summer to make plans for at least one parent information session per month, as well as um, maybe some other activities. uh zoom events that parents can benefit from so can one of you kind of talk about what's coming up but you mentioned the september 10th event what else is planned for the fall i know you may not have dates set yet but i I know you're working on some things
1: do you want to
0: take that name Sure. so we have a number of we don't have our calendar set up uh yet we do um follow a typical uh, schedule. Um, As you mentioned, we're having a September meeting. Um, We also are looking to uh, build engagement uh, with parents, uh, parents to parents. So we're looking to put together, we'll continue our um, fishbowl type of events so that uh, people who have uh, obviously have their kids uh, on IEPs can mix and mingle with other parents. Um, We're looking at, Fundraising opportunities uh, so that we can um, engage the community and get uh, more support uh, from them um, as well. Um, and then we regularly meet with uh, principals and administrators, which is not programming, but it's just to let our um, parents know that that's uh, an avenue where we continue to obtain information from administrators and then also share information with those administrators about what. Uh, parents are uh, feeling or thinking uh, about certain activities. Um, We don't have our schedule firmed up yet, um, but we are working to finalize that and we'll be publishing that on our website um, as well as push out communications. uh, We'll be sharing that as well.
2: And you do also have a Facebook page, which uh, people can find by searching Belmont CPAC. There is a Facebook page, be sure to like it. And that Facebook page will also keep you updated on on special events that are that are coming up. So there's at least one a month. Um, there might even be uh, more. And I know that we're all, you're also planning things for um, kids who are dyslexic. You know, parents who have kids who aren't dyslexic. I know we did an event like that last year. I'm sure there'll be another event like that this year because I know that um, parents of of dyslexic dyslexic children, um, that's diagnosed very late, and, and it's definitely a topic of interest for, for parents um, in our, you know, anyone who has a child with dyslexia.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point that we're looking to make sure that um, when we say your, your child has an IEP, there are different types, as we would call them special interest groups, you know, children with dyslexia, with the ADHD, with autism, um, so we're, we're also looking to make sure that um, we cover ground and, and different aspects of uh, students with special needs as well in our programming this year.
2: That's great. That's really great. And I, I have a question for, for Tim, since you've, you've already gotten your feet wet for a year. Um, I, I hope you're happy with what you accomplished your first year. I think... Your first year as as chair, you, you didn't even have a co-chair. I think you accomplished a lot. Um, what are you hoping to accomplish in this in this coming year?
1: Which I mean, is going uh, to uh, be challenging. It, it is going to be challenging, and and, and I'll, I'll lead this off by saying uh, it's definitely been a team effort. Uh, everyone that's been involved with CPAC um, has been uh, invaluable to me. Um, you know, it, it, it's one thing to show up to a meeting. And, um, and, and and get information, um, but it's another thing to gather that information and, and make it readily available to anyone that needs it. Um, you know and it, one of the big things that I worked on last year was uh, making sure that we we had um, um, new bank accounts set up so we could do fundraising, uh, making sure that we, we became a, a nonprofit. Um, that was something that uh, had been looked at years ago. Uh, it didn't it didn't get finalized. I made that happen last year. Um, you know, so and that that ties into the ability to fundraise in, in a multitude of ways. Uh, so that I think that was it's an important uh, stepping stone for the organization uh, to have that in place. Um, so now that it's in place, you know we can we can move forward and 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 have funds readily available um, for any. Um, parent information sessions and, and uh, special interest groups that, you know, may, may need uh, a little funding to bring uh, a special speaker in or maybe some special devices for, for you know, a particular child that, that needs it for, you know, a specific learning disability and so on. So, you know, that, that's, that's something that I spent a lot of time on last year. And, uh, and then, you know, the Facebook was kind of my, my, my second thing I went to was making sure mm-hmm. that we had a presence online. Uh, everything's online. As everyone's been saying that for years. Now, literally everyone is online. Uh, so it's definitely important right. to, have, to have that uh, presence online and, and make it easy for people to, to have a place they can go to quickly, get the information they need.
2: So if someone wants to volunteer or, or get involved, um, how do they do that?
1: They can reach out to us. Um, Uh, through facebook they can email us through facebook they can you know know, look at our uh, uh, website um, and email us through there Um, you know what is your
2: email tim
1: it's it's belmont cpac at gmail.com
2: okay and how does someone get on the the group email don't you have a a group email that people can join to so that whenever you send out well they should just email you if they want to be on the list to receive notices right
1: Yep. Yeah, they just email belmontcpac at gmail.com. We send it, we send that email over to Mary Jo Peterman, who's the program chair, and, or excuse me, the administrative chair, and then she will uh, put you on the uh, email list to make sure you get all the valuable information we're sending out monthly.
2: Yes, and big shout out to Mary Jo Peterman, who isn't on our Zoom today, but she is a very important part of the Belmont CPAC. She is our, our administrator as Tim said, and um, I don't know what we would do without her, right? 100%
1: true.
2: Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to have to wrap it up because I think we've we've been on for a little over a half hour. That's our time limit. Um, But I want to have you on again for sure. You know, maybe we can do this again and you can, uh, you know, when your calendar is finalized, we can promote more of your upcoming events. But for now, people should definitely mark your calendar for September 10th. And check the uh, Facebook page for future events. And I also publicize the events um, in the Belmont newspaper, Wicked Local Belmont, and um, on that on that website that that you can get to through the school website. The Belmont Public School website has a link to the Belmont CPAC website. Mm-hmm.
0: One thing I wanted to say is the events are open to all parents. So you do not need to attend only if your child has an IEP, but uh, if you want to learn more information, it is open
2: to all. Parents. Yes. And it's definitely a good way to connect with, with other parents because unless you have a student that's struggling or a student that's on an IEP, you know, parents who who aren't experiencing that, you know, you don't really connect. You, you re, we really connect, you know, right. Um, People who who aren't going through it really don't understand. Am I right?
1: I I would agree. Okay.
2: (laughs) Well, and it's nice. It's really, it's a great organization. And um, I want to thank you both for taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you both for coming on.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
2: And um, I want everyone to... um, Let me know if there's a topic that you'd like to see covered on Belmont buzz. What's the latest buzz that you'd like to hear more about? You can email me at belmont at wickedlocal.com. And thank you, Belmont Media Center, for making this all possible. Signing off for now. Buzzing off for now, I should say. (laughs)